0: Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome to 49 Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. I'm Haley Jones. And I'm Patty Kwan. And today we are lucky enough to be joined by 49ers Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Christina Jefferson. CJ, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having
2: me, y'all.
0: To start, what are your responsibilities as Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion?
2: I get asked this question a lot, and it's the hardest question for me to answer. <laughs> um because to me, the work goes where the work goes. Um, so my, my, tr- my actual responsibilities are to create inclusion and create a culture of inclusion here at the 49ers. But that just goes everywhere. It's you know, working with interns. It's overseeing our internship program. It's overseeing our training program. It's overseeing um, just our day-to-day, making sure that you know, if something comes up and it has to do with um, creating a culture of belonging... we have a culture of belonging here at our organization that hopefully permeates out to our fans as well.
1: How did you get into the human resources and DEI space? Like It kind of feels a little niche compared to the umbrella of human resources. It is niche.
2: I would say the reason why I got into this work was because I used to work in retail. I spent most of my career in retail on the, the actual like employee, customer, client side. And I started to notice as I continued to move up and up and up in the uh, retail space that people stopped being uh, as diverse. No matter where I went, it started to be the same person that was my boss, the same person that was my boss's boss, and on up. And you'd go to a conference and everyone that was on the stage looked exactly the same. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to be someone who could help the next generation or help the person who was sitting next to me find a space um, and realize that leadership was for them, no matter what they looked like, no matter if they had a bunch of tattoos, no matter if they had a bunch of piercings, no matter if they were non-binary, no matter what you looked like, that you had a space for what you wanted to do in your life. And so that led me to realizing that really what I needed to do was get into what I thought was learning and development, but really what it was, was uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, because it was partially like training people to, to find their voice, but it was also training the people who were above them to see those people as real leaders. And, and then that led me again into diversity, equity, inclusion, because it was a space to, it was giving language to what I had been doing all along.
0: You mentioned tattoos and I know you have quite a few. (laughs) I know like I have some as well. And I think before coming into like the workforce, I think there was this taboo notion. Like you can't get like my parents told me like, oh, you can't get a job if you have tattoos. And now it's almost like it's harder to find people without them. Yeah. Um, When did you, when do you think that like shifted and like, why is it becoming kind of more accepted?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think it's just because generations grew up saying like, you know, the way I want to present. I think it goes along even with like having natural hair. I mean, as much as I would like to say that some days um, there was moments when I was like, oh, I would wouldn't mind straightening my hair or covering my tattoos. I know that there is someone out there who looks at a leader who has tattoos, who has natural hair, who has and I shouldn't say natural hair has curly my natural curly hair. You know, when you look at someone who leader who has something that was at one point considered not professional, it means something. And so I really do try to do that. And I think when I look at people of, you know, my age or around my age, we stopped. We started realizing that it doesn't matter what you look like. I think it's hand in hand with diversity. I think it's just a diversity of how people look and how people choose to present, um, because that's not the point. Um, it's a distraction. Um, it's a way to make sure that people feel like they're an another. Um, and so I think it was hand in hand. Yeah,
1: I took an equitable hiring um, training with you. And one of the things that like really resonated with me was when people are giving feedback after an interview and they say like, well, I didn't think they were professional what does that mean to everyone? Does it mean that they weren't in a suit? Does it mean that their hair was curly or not straightened? Or does it mean that they had tattoos? Does it mean that they didn't speak eloquently or they had an accent? And I thought that was really interesting because when you get down to it, that doesn't mean they're not qualified. Right. I think this goes to the tattoo thing of what does that mean to everyone? And generationally or what industry you're in, like that could all be different. And that's something that we need to all have greater conversations on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a piece of it that I think you, you just hit on Haley is conversations, like have a conversation with someone not about their tattoos, not the first thing that you'd have the conversation about. Um, but having conversations with people humanizes people in a way that changes the conversation and changes how you perceive that person.
0: Definitely. Um, so Haley and I actually both spent time working in the service industry. And and we say this often on this podcast that like everyone in their you know life should hold a service industry job just because you learn so much um, about working with others. You obviously have a wide range of experiences in that industry. What was your biggest takeaway from working in that field? And how has that kind of shaped your career path to what it is now?
2: Oh, that's such a great question. I think it's shaped me. So two things have shaped me more than anything else in my life. And that is retail, just because I spent so long in it, um, and roller derby. So those two things are really the two things in my life that I think have created a space where I see people in so many different ways. I think with retail, the thing about it is it really shows you, it can show you someone on their worst day and you've got to still help that person and figure out like what's going on. And also the other piece of it is like your employee might be having their worst day and they have to put on a face in order to help that person. And I think for me, it's always has been like, don't take someone on their worst day. Don't take someone on their worst comment or management decision, whatever that is, like take each day. And if someone continues to show you, like if, they, if they're a problem, you know, problem customers, um, then that's a different conversation but I think so often we don't give people grace and I think that that was the biggest takeaway that I that I received from working in retail is how to give grace and show grace
1: we did a little research on you I went through your LinkedIn and it had that you were a store manager at David's Bridal (laughs) I think there's like a real allure stigma like mystery to that industry Uh uh-huh Is it as stressful as it sounds from the outside to work in bridal?
2: (laughs) It is. It it very much is. But or and the brides and learning so much about people's different cultures was incredible. Like that's the thing that was the best thing about that job besides the people who I worked with, which who were just incredible, amazing human beings who had to, you know, work with people in the most high stress of situations. I mean, we had to like drive a dressed to the airport once because at like four in the morning like it was (laughs) intense but the best part was like just learning about different cultures like weddings uh, uh Asian Chinese weddings specifically and the amount of dresses like the red dress versus like having a white uh western dress uh Tongan weddings and the fact that you've got this huge bridal group and they will take over like 30 chairs and to watch the joy and the community, like you, you would cry. Like it was like a daily crying of like this watching and learning and becoming part of someone's community. Even if it was for like three hours, helping someone find that most amazing outfit. And then also dealing with their stress of like, you know, people who had never been, you know, who are there by themselves, you know, and like you becoming their, their, their group of people. It was the most stressful job, but in the strangest of ways was one of the most rewarding experiences um, and helped me find curiosity, um, even in a stressful moment.
0: From there, uh, what was your path to the 49ers?
2: That's a funny story. Um, So I have always said, and I know a lot of people are like, you know, how did you get here? How did you get here? I didn't actually want to come here. I really was drawn here by meeting with the leaders because I was skeptical. I was skeptical about what they actually wanted to do with diversity, equity, inclusion. I think that there's a version of diversity, equity, inclusion where someone sits in an office and they do policies and uh, they uh, do heritage months, um, and that's it. That was not the version of diversity and still isn't the version of diversity, equity, inclusion. That, I, the, that version is not me. Um, I'm, I wanted to make sure that if I made this leap, that it was for the right reasons and for the right organization and for an organization that would push the boundaries of what diversity equity inclusion could and should, and is, we don't always do it perfectly. And I also wanted that. I wanted people to say, you know what, we don't always do that the most amazing way, but next year we're going to get it right. And to me, that's what drew me here was the conversations that I had with leadership to say, what do you think diversity, equity, inclusion is and how do you see it? And the best uh, conversations, every conversation I had was, we don't exactly know and that's why we need someone like you to come in here and help us, but we're not going to get in your way.
1: And that is what made me say yes. What's been your favorite part of the job so far?
2: My favorite part of the job is helping employee resource groups actualize their ideas which leads them to new realms of possibilities for themselves my favorite favorite thing that we have done well two I have two favorites um is when maybe three three Diwali the first year we did Diwali because Diwali um I had an employee who I didn't know who I think just worked in the stadium um and i like you just sometimes just don't see everybody and they Kind of just said it in passing. Didn't know that I had anything to do with it. I've never worked anywhere that, um, that celebrated Diwali. This is amazing. The same thing with the altar. The altar was the first thing that we did, the one we did for the Day of the Dead. It was the first kind of like moment of, this is going to be a different ERG experience that I've ever had of leading them any, of anywhere, was I said, well, we want to do an altar. And well, I think LEAD, our Latinx employee resource group said, we want to do an altar. And I said, okay. And I went to my boss um, and I said, hey, Harpreet, we want to do an altar. And she's like, okay. I didn't realize how much of a seismic shift it would be to do something that's kind of religious. Um, and But also welcoming in of everyone to the culture. It was a hit. It was a huge hit. People really loved it. People were invited into other people's culture in a way that we just have never seen before. Um, and then my other last favorite is Juneteenth. It was also another moment of ERGs came together and decided they wanted to do something. And all I had to do was say yes. Um, It was incredible. It was also, again, another moment of inviting people into another culture. Um, They learned about Juneteenth. We had a cookout. We had great food. We were able to support a small um, woman owned black business. We did all the things in order to really champion these folks um, in our ERGs. And I've seen such growth in leadership um, of those folks, which just also translates into how we as an organization can grow even outside of our um, employee resource groups.
1: Yeah. I have some pretty amazing videos of Patty Kwan <laughs> and Noah Hammerman dancing at the Juneteenth cookout. I
0: as
2: well. Have
1: it was, those it videos. was a vibe. <laughs> that it was, was so vibe. fun. It was,
0: I, it was. Yeah. That was definitely a highlight, you know, yeah. I think kind of set the bar for other ERGs. Speaking of which, can you kind of just take us through the different ERGs that we have here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, we, uh, or I, or we, are proud to over, oversee uh, four. And then we also have a fifth affinity group that just started. So we have um, our Apex, which is our Asian and Pacific Islander uh, employee uh, group. We also have our Lead, which are Latinx. Um, we have... Our Build Group, which is our Black leadership group, and we also have our Women's group, and then we also have a our newest and most exciting group because I love when we get to start new groups and they come from inside the organization. Is um, our LGBTQ plus group, um, which is actually named uh, Plus, Plus. Uh, and we are in our early forming stages of that group, and it's I think it's I, I'm just so excited about all of our groups.
1: You were hired into a newly created role. What were the challenges and I guess advantages of coming into a job that no one had held before in this company?
2: I like to do hard things. Um, and so <laughs> um, I think that coming into an organization when I talk a lot in, in kind of metaphors, I think. I think that's the right word, it's metaphors. Um, we had rich soil. All my, my job was to till it. Um, my job was to make it grow. My job is, and in that moment, it's hard. There's moments when like the ground is just not ready for you to like move it. I act like I didn't really know a lot about farming, but <laughs> I, I do have a farm, but that's a whole different conversation. And so um, there's a, there's a tilling of the soil that is needed, but there was already a there there. There was already seeds. There were, there was already four employee resource groups Um All I had to do was help to just kind of grow them up, um, help them figure out what like a a new governance structure and things like that. How to like impact not only inside the organization, but outside the organization, the work that we're doing. You know, I think for me, when I looked at it, it was there were things, there were pieces that were there. We just needed to like kind of kind of deepen those those ties um, and also show that inclusion is not set a part of, but is in, which is why I think it's so, it was, it was hard and it is, it continues to be a hard space to work in, but it is incredibly rewarding space to watch our organization move forward infused with inclusive ideas inside of it
0: so like diversity and representation have been priorities for this organization as you've stated before like where do you see us progressing in like the next five years I feel like we always say like the work continues and like will always continue what does that work look like
2: oh my goodness I I think I always try to think in ways of we need to continue and you've both heard me say this a million times is, you know, we're, we're, our goal here is to create fans for life. And in that it's a very expansive idea, but it also means our goal here is to reflect our, our community. Um, If we don't reflect our community, how can we move towards that ideal? So that means how are we reflecting our, our community in, the vendors in the stadium? How are we reflecting our community in the people who get contracts to work on our stadium? How do we make sure that the employees who work here are um, that are reflective of our community as well? If we're not moving towards that goal, why aren't we moving towards that goal? How can we help um, move people towards that goal. I think one of the biggest things that we have tried to do and I think will continue to do is how do we work in our community to get students ready to work in places like this? Sports is incredibly hard to get into. And so our goal and one of the goals and reasons why I took over the internship program pretty much two months after I got here was because I noticed that a lot of people who work here started off as interns. And if they start off as interns, in order to disrupt the diversity that, or lack of that we have seen in sports at an internship level, that means that the DEI people or people like me who are really invested in diversity, equity, and inclusion need to affect that because in five years, they're going to be my bosses. And 10 years, they're going to be my bosses. They're going to be presidents of organizations in you know, 10, 15 years. And if that's the truth and that's where this is headed... We have to disrupt now. Um, And so for me, that is where I see is like the issues and the things that need to change are things that we need to start to work on now. So that in five years, we're starting to see the fruits of this change. And so for me, I think that's where I see like I see how to move things forward. I also want to see us as our employee resource groups become continuous to become bigger leaders and bigger voices in our organization. I want everyone to see, and I think they're going to start to see, like, especially with what we've done with our uh, Latinx group, with the fact that they were able to affect the products that we had for our Mexico game. That's a game changer. And that is how we're going to continue to move this work forward is in five years. I want that. I want for all of our ERGs to have a space in the market and how we're influencing how we show up authentically to our fans and authentically inside our organization.
1: Are there best practices or for someone who works in social or digital, like Patty and I, we talk with other teams a lot and like our counterparts across the league or in other sports. Do you have a forum to see what other teams are doing and talk best practices like that? Or are you just paving away on your own?
2: I Yes. And actually we speak Uh, At the like as a group, we actually enjoy every time we get a chance to see each other. We see each other at a career fair or a diversity conference or something. We genuinely enjoy talking to each other. Uh, We genuinely genuinely enjoy finding out what each other are doing. You know, I'll talk we'll talk like, what's your policy on this or what are you all doing for this holiday? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Everyone is like looking at starting new employee resource groups. We were one of the first. So we could, I could say like, this is what worked. Um, You know, there's some other groups that have had diversity councils and they can talk about to the other groups who are interested in doing diversity councils. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. So we really do try to talk best practices across the, the, not only the league, but we also work with our NFL partners as well. Um, it's all about collaboration. It's all about sharing as much information as possible so that we can all kind of grow together.
1: I think one of the most maybe public-facing things that the organization does in terms of DEI is Heritage Months. You kind of mentioned it earlier. You work really closely with the ERGs on basically leading all the planning for those. What does that process look like from kind of concept to getting them all set in public.
2: Oh, that is, it is a constant. <laughs> I am always working on someone's heritage month in the background of all the work that I'm doing. Most heritage months, we start six months, if possible, three months if we only have a few months. And like, you know, there, you know we have this thing called football that we somehow are doing in the middle of all of this. And so the heritage months, um, depending on kind of like where we are in the season, how much time we have, three to six months. And that starts, you know, that really the the beginning is brainstorming, really understanding, like, what do you want to tell the organization? What if you had one social post, would you want the outside world to know about our uh, what we do? And so it's really cultivating the theme around that. And our, our also our the other piece of our goal is to not do the quote unquote book report. For those months. We're not trying to do Black History Month book report. We're not trying to do Women's History Month book report. We're trying to actually like find something that will grab them and say, oh, I didn't know that. You know, really, again, inviting people into to your culture and and really talking about your culture in that way. And so we've tried to change and shift that mindset to really say, how can we affect change? Um, I would give like our Latinx heritage month. We did a, a, we usually have a speaker. We have a speaker that comes in and we, so we try to plan that out. And we had speakers that came in and talked about like, what does game day presentation look like? Not just during the month, but all year. And make, and like, those are the moments when light bulbs go off in the room for other people when you don't do the book report. Because the book report, yes, is important, but we're all learning the same things. And we're telling the same stories that we told when we were in school. How can we break out of that and tell stories about organ- our, our organizations, our cultures that we didn't learn in school? And so that's where we really like try to hone in on the project and each month. And then, you know, so we really have our theme. We try to nail down that theme. We try to invite other people in allies into those conversations again helping them understand a little bit more about the culture. And then, you know, then it goes into really like understanding what education and um, moments that we want to invite everyone to the organ- inside the organization to be um, inside the, the month. So I would say those are the big pieces of the month. Um, a lot goes into that. <laughs> a lot of meetings. <laughs> Is there
0: anything that like you have learned from your ERGs here that you didn't know before?
2: I have little patience um, and I've had to learn how to have a little bit more patience because of that funny football thing that we do. There are groups that we have to do a little more plug and play because of when their Heritage Month or that specific event, Lunar New Year, happens at the very end of our season. We still want to celebrate it, but how do we do it where we're not stressing everyone in the world out who works here? So it's really like working with the ebb and flow, something like ebb and flow or something else I like to say is heartbeat. What's the heartbeat of the organization? Once we get to December and January, that's a no, those are no-go months. August is the same thing for Latinx Heritage Month. Everything has to be set before August because we have no time from August to beginning of September. So really learning patience has something, been something I've learned from uh, our Heritage Months specifically.
1: I think the other nice thing about not doing like the book report is for me, like personal experience, they have been more impactful. The one that comes to mind is AAPI two years ago. Uh, I'm from here. Was that two years? Last Last year. Last year. And it like was, I was in some of those planning meetings and it happened to be around when there were some hate crimes in the area. And I think, bringing one emotions and feelings and anything that's actually relevant to the times into it makes you stand up and listen more. And obviously like you you remember those things.
2: Absolutely. I think that was the whole point. I loved that planning meeting. It was one of the moments when like the light bulb went off and we were like, that's it. And I love those meetings. I love like that was even Latinx Heritage Month last year when we were like, you know, our voice, our voice, you know, but like, specifically, I'm from here meant so much. It meant so many things in that one little sentence. You know, I don't have to tell you where I'm from. I'm from here. I'm from the Bay. You know, like, I'm from this area. I am proud of being from this area. Yes, I'm proud of my heritage, but I'm not, I, I, I hate, we all have gotten that question a million times, and even more for our, our Asian um, employees and friends and family.
0: that was a that was a really great campaign to work on, and I love that we've also gotten the support where the graphics are on the video boards and in stadiums. So it's like really honing in on the message. You really you really can't miss it. So,
1: well, and Apex is killing the game. Like you guys have got like there have been uh, multiple ERGs now who have gotten partnerships involved, and you've gotten U.S. Bank involved to give everyone quarters and. Like I think there's a lot happening where people across the organization are trying to get involved in not just external community relations events, but like internally honing what we're doing in the DEI space. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I I do have a question about that. Just like, I think sometimes you might see like a sports organization and they put out a post for, let's say Black History Month and like that's it. I think there is sometimes um, some performative Things happening, I, I guess. How do you distinguish, like, and, and we can't necessarily draw intent from from a post, but you know, like, how do you keep from things being like performative and keeping them kind of authentic and genuine to you know your own brand?
2: Oh, that is incredibly hard. Uh, I think that sometimes we have to, I think, stay true to who we are, and it's again one of the things that, like, I have my kind of like guiding principle of creating fans for life. When I think of that, I think of who are our fans? There are moments when we do have to do the performative posts, because if we don't, then someone is going to say something. It's not pleasant. I don't love them, um, but we have to do them. Um, And every organization does. But to me, what's so important is how, how do we craft that performative post? How do we make it where It still is something that we're doing that's authentic to who we are. Um, When I think of like, you know, what we do for like MLK Day, we try to include some kind of, um, it doesn't feel performative because we put some soul and some heart into what we're trying to say with that. Um, We're also, you know, trying to tie it to something we're doing an action, an actual action action that we do inside our organization. So like working with our community relations partners for our players to do something, we try to like, you know, put together something for the employees to do. So like there may be a post about it, but we always try our best to tie it to something that we can actually say we're doing inside our organization. So it feels like what it needs to be, which is an actionable thing that's tied to something that if I had my my way, it would be more of a, we may not post on that day, but we're going to say this is what we did on that day so that you know that we did something that meant something.
1: For someone who like sees your job or hears you speak on this podcast or a panel or reads an article you've written or a bio and thinks, I want your job, I want to do the work that you're doing, Like, what would your advice be? To- be to people who want to get into this industry or into your space? Oh, goodness. Uh, I would
2: say it's such a hard job. I think we, there are days when everything is awesome. Like you really are, you see the picture on the big board of API month or you see or you do a, an incredible Black History Month panel where people come up to you and they're just like, this was incredible. Or you get the post right. You know, like I think we did a really great like Yom Kippur post like two years ago. I'm, everyone in my circles were like, that was great. It felt authentic. You got it. You know, those are things that like or, you know, you do something for an employee when they shut the door and you, it's the things that no one ever talks about. But that's the thing. A lot of the job is things you can't talk about. (laughs) So if you're looking for that like level of recognition, this is not it. You know, it's a hard job. If you want to get into it, I think it's about curiosity. I think it's about being curious about all people. Um, I think it's, you know, the hard, of course, the thing is, you know, go to school, get the thing, do the things. Um, But I think that the piece that people don't talk about is the self-care that's involved in this role. The, the fact that this role requires a lot of you and the 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 job doesn't stop when you get in the car. Um, the job doesn't stop on the weekends. Um, the job is always there because in order to do the job properly and to do the job in a way that you're authentic to your employees, it requires constant learning. So the learning never stops. Um, the education never stops and the caring never stops. Um and so for me, if you're interested in getting into this work, it's understanding that level of commitment that's required for this on top of going to school and getting a DEI or inclusive inclusion degree or HR degree or whatever it is that you're looking at.
0: Real quick, I saw that you got a bachelor's in ceramics. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Like how how that uh, experience went in college? and And I think we always joke like, Oh, like I got a degree in
2: whatever and I'm not necessarily me, using it. I have it. a
1: degree in ancient history. <laughs> yes.
2: I love it. My undergrad is in ancient Roman, Greek and Roman history. So <laughs> absolutely. my well, like my undergrad minor. Um, my parents told me I had to get a degree and I said, all right, bet. Um, I will get a degree in ceramics. <laughs> um, and they were like. That's not really what we meant. Um but no, seriously. I mean, I I um I'm an art kid. Um I um I also think that really helps me do my job because I don't think about things in the same way a lot of other people do. I see possibilities in a lump of clay. Um I had my undergrad was in specifically I worked in Raku, which is a Japanese fire that is incredibly dangerous, um, and made my own clay and, um, you know, worked primarily in sculpture, um, and, um, and building. Um, so, you know, not only am I not, you know, I have a ceramics degree, but not even in like what anyone even understands. Like it's like in the most weirdly niche version of, of ceramics that you could possibly do. Um, but again, you know, I think it, it, it helped shape me to be the person that I am today. I think everything along, and that's one of the things I tell interns all the time. They're always like, I must do this and then do this and then do this. And I'm like, you don't have to do anything. I'm like, the journey of where you're going, if you stay being a good and kind person and try to do your best every day, doesn't matter where the journey takes you, um, it will get you to where it needs you to go. And along the way, um, every experience will make you better at wherever you're going to be.
0: I love that. It's so true. (laughs) Um, Our final question, and we ask this to everyone who joins the podcast, is, I mean, you're in HR, you know what a job listing looks like and how there is sometimes that bullet point that says other (laughs) duties as assigned, have you had an other duties as assigned moment here?
2: Oh my gosh. I mean, I really think my entire job is really other duties as assigned. (laughs) Like I don't, I'm pretty sure it really should be the first bullet point of my job because like this morning I was handing out, I was going around the buildings, putting little like notes on everyone's desks for international women's day. Um, There are days when I'm setting up chairs because I need to set up a room for one of the trainings I'm doing. Like my entire job is like random duties as assigned. That should be the name of DEI. It should be under it. It should be like random duties as assigned
1: for belonging. That should be your autobiography
2: title. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Copyright right here.
2: Okay, I like it. (laughs)
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, CJ, and speaking with us. One, on International Women's Day, and also, I know you're super busy, especially during this time, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me.